Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we are talking some cold soils and when should you be planting. In our spotlight, we're going to look at some cover crop insurance discounts that are being considered. Ag History Minute, we'll talk a little bit about the National School Lunch Program. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have current events. We'll wrap it all up with our Ag Idiom of the Week. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So here we are again. More manic, depressive nature. It's hot, then it's cold. It's yes, then it's no. <laughs> Max, what are we in now? What I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this one third winter. <laughs> third winter. Third winter. Third winter. How many winters do we have usually? Uh, usually three winters along with a fake spring. Okay. Did we have the fake spring yet? Yeah. That would be That the, doesn't come after the third winter. Well. Or you could get, you have a second fake spring? You have spring. fake spring. Is it fake? Fall, summer, real spring. <laughs> Is it fake spring or faux spring? But they, fake. But they okay, don't yes. always come in the right order. So like we had fake summer already. We did. Right. So now we got to have fake spring uh-huh. and then real spring and then summer. It's like third winter right now. It's cold. Yeah. What do we? Three years ago, yesterday marked the snow, two feet of snow. snow. Yep. Thirty inches. Yes. And we so, we had snow on the same day, but it just didn't stay. Correct. <laughs> and a little bit different volume. Yes. Right. A flurry versus uh, three feet. It snowed pretty hard at our house for a little while. We had it was sticking on the grass and the cars and stuff. Yeah, my truck had like a white coat on it. It's yesterday morning. And then, it, and then it rained last night, so we had snow and yeah. rain in the same day. That's yeah. typical for third winter. Yeah, standard third third winter weather, really. So, so does third winter go along with the robin having to get snowed on three times before real spring comes? Yes. When I was counting, that was the fourth time. Fourth, fourth time. <laughs> so I don't know which. So that wives' tale is one of those added. snows counted like was basically within like twenty four hours. Two of them, so I don't know if we can count those or not, if that's like so the is same this, snow. is this better for robins because it's like cold but no snow, so the, the worms just like kind of freeze in place, and then they can they have easier access to food? Because remember three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was, when we had the blizzard, yeah, they, they were they like, oh, can't. feed the robins because yeah. they can't get their own food. I remember that. They were like, throw your breadcrumbs and your sea, everything out so that the robins wouldn't die. And then the snow was gone by Monday. I actually went out and did that. Like I dug holes around like the base of the bird feeders so that they could get to like to the ground where all the seed is on the ground too. And my mom's cat just used that as hunting ground. She would like because they would be down in like this hole because the snow was like forty inches deep, and she would just pounce down into the hole and she killed like six of them. So. <laughs> ambush, bad yeah, yeah. The ambush site. Bad for the robins. So I, the cat. I tried to help the robins, and I just killed a bunch of them on axe. Well, I didn't. The cat killed a bunch of them. Yeah, but that's you know. what happens when you dig a murder hole. Yeah, you win some, you lose some, I guess. So, I threw a cat grenade into the foxhole. Happens. That's why the military doesn't go into box canyons, as at least not as often as they can. All right. So how about your brewers? How are you feeling? I'm, the pitching is amazing. Yeah. Well, starting pitching. I looked at Burns' stats. He's got like two or three starts, 18 innings, 30 Ks, zero walks. He's like a 0-3-3 ERA right now. He's like 0-6-9. 0-6-9 is that yeah. what it is? 
Zero walks. That's, he's good. Yeah. I heard a soundbite on the new, on the radio this morning that he said like, you know, he can tell after he throws his first poor pitch and he can correct and fix it and get back to like, you know, his good stuff, which if you remember Corbin Burns two years yeah. ago, the problem was he would throw one bad pitch and mm-hmm. it was over. Over. Like he would be dealing and he'd throw a bad pitch and you were just like, okay, here we go. And there'd be six runs on the board. Yep. For now he he's like, I can, I can recover from one bad pitch now. So I wonder how much for them guys, like not playing as many games last year and being able to work on their stuff, like all that time. Cause you're not improving during the season. You like, no. you're not, you're not honing the craft during the season. You may be improving, but that's just because you're getting in a routine. Especially a pitcher, the the amount of wear and tear on your arm yeah. that you yeah. just saved. Do MLB pitchers basically just not do anything on their off day? Like they don't. Right. It's not they, like they go and throw three innings just I, to. I think make they, sure they throw some ice. Yeah, but I, yeah, it's not. Yeah, I think you'd want to keep it a little bit of a you know I got to keep doing something, but not yeah overdo it. And that's why in like spring training, like these guys can get lit up because they're. They're trying to, you know, they don't have a slider, so maybe they'll try a slider in spring training, and then they get lit up, and it's like, well, what's wrong with Hater? Well, he's trying to trying find to, a new pitch. Yeah, do it now when it doesn't count. That was the other thing. I think they said that he switched from a slider. Corbin Burns switched from a slider to a cutter, mm. and that has been like, what is a cutter? I saw that too. What's and it's then they show the, the it's pitch. The, it's and the way you grip. It's the way you grip the ball, whether it moves right to left or top to bottom. Because yeah. this still looked like it moved left to right. I guess. I think a cutter some like can come in on a hitter. Sure. So it looks like a strike, and, and then, then you swing, can... and you're like, it's you, at your hands. Yeah. You like a which would be Mariano the worst spot Rivera to, yeah. cut saw you in half. Yep. A cutter for a right hander would be really good then. Yeah coming in on you yeah but yeah so he switched that and then he throws uh two seam fastball instead of a four seam and he doesn't throw like any fastballs in general so that's the big change and why he's better two seam moves a little more than a four seam yep he said there's no reason for him to throw a four seam he can't throw that hard so he's not throwing 108 miles an hour right. so why would it was you still throw a four like seam? high 90s so he's just still fast speaking of 108 did you see Grinky threw like a 51 mile an hour curveball yeah that was nuts. Did you see how much it moved? Yeah. That was insane. Like four feet. It was like, it looked like one of those, the um, balls they sell that you see on TV. It's like a green ball that you're supposed to be able to throw. Like it's made for you to throw insane curveballs for wiffle ball. It looked like that, yeah. except for it was an MLB baseball game. Like, <laughs> it was like boom, right in the zone. They, there's a name for but it. But even at a 50. Uncle Charlie. Huh? A curveball is Uncle Charlie. Uncle Charlie. Yeah, At 50 miles an hour, though, couldn't you think an MBLB well, hitter? But you're could not just, ready for that. True. But you only throw that so often, don't right. you? And then oh, somebody's yeah. just going to like. The, the timing of that would be so yeah. weird. How many drum hits did Houston have to bang <laughs> for that know. one? It's a 51 mile per hour EFIS pitch, is what it's called. EFIS. E E P H U S. EFIS. So. Yeah. And that's the first time we've seen it in the MLB. Besides besides a position player that uh, yeah. had to come in in the eighth because they were down 13 runs and didn't have any more pitching. It's kind of a problem, yeah. Orlando Arcia. Not anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys ready to get into this? Yep. Let's do it. So, all right. Today we're going to talk planting into cold soils. 
if you're cutting your soils like a knife, they're probably pretty cold. Planting into them. So is it risky to plant into cold soils? Bill, what do you think? What's yeah, that? yeah. I, I got some questions I wanted to ask Max here. That, so, all right, Max. Max, yes or no only. Yes or Ready? no. Yes, yes or no only. Yes or no okay. only. Is it risky to plant into cold soils? Yes, yes or no. Yes, you're correct. Is it risky to plant corn late in the season? Yes. Yes. Will you have better stands if there is no stress? Yes. Yes. So I had the question on like Monday last week, when are you going to let me plant corn, right? That's, that's what it is, right? When are you going to let me plant corn? Because they're getting antsy. It's dry. We have dry soils. For the most part, yeah. For the most part. I mean, yep. we had a little rain this week, but it's dry. So now everybody's getting a little antsy. But we got to remember 2020, how cold it was when we did plant. Conditions were good, but it was cold. So I think when that question gets posed to me, like all these things come into my head. Like, how do I answer this question? Because there's so many factors that go into should I get the planter out or not? I mean, things you got to ask yourself, like, are the soils wetter than ideal? If they're wetter, but you can still plant, is that a good thing? Probably not, right? Because it's cold and wet. Are we looking at rainfall in the forecast? Right? If we get, if it's dry right now, but we're looking at, you know, three, four days of heavy rains, do we really want to be planting? You can do it, but do we really want to? The other thing is, is late planting corn better than cold planting corn? You know, do we just wait another week and then the soils are good and versus this cold? And yeah, it's a week later, but the soils are warmer, right? I'd rather have short corn or corn that's lower yielding than no corn at all. Right. Because you could, you could potentially, right, if you plant in the cold, wet soils or plant too early when it still is cold, you could potentially just lose everything, right? I mean, it's a possibility. We what percentages last year in certain areas we lost a good five to ten percent of the field because it was cold and wet. Well, and last year it seemed like it wasn't like thin; it was like there or it wasn't wiped out areas. Yeah. So would you take a five per? Would you take a five percent yield hit? Would you rather have a five percent yield hit across the whole field or lose five to ten percent of your field? I <clears throat> right. It's it's a tough call. It's catch twenty two. Right. In general, I would say while we're still in April, it's probably okay to say, yeah, we can wait. We can wait another two weeks and think about it rather than take the risk right now. Now when we get in, when it's May 15th and we're still talking about cold soils, now the risk becomes a little bit more yeah, worth it. That's the bigger bigger issue is, yeah, we, it's still early. It's, it's just now the middle of April. I mean, we're, we're not late by any means. There's no, no rush despite the fact that conditions seem like we should be going. Right. Yeah. And, and how, how do you think guys like think about, we got to plant corn, but then we got other things to do as well. So the other consideration too is how is late planting corn going to affect soybeans? Or maybe we even haven't gotten our alfalfa seeded yet. So maybe guys are going to jump the, the gun a little bit because they know that they got beans and well, other things to plant too. I, I had this discussion the other day with, with a grower. And it was, you know, normally I, I plant my, or last year he planted his beans first. He's like, well, now, you know, if, or if I plant my corn, you know, what's I going to do with my beans? I'm like, well, if it's this early, 
and you're planting corn, your beans are still going to be about the same timing as they were last year. So what does it matter? Yeah. Like when you get into May and June, you know, if, if for some reason we would hit this massive wet patch where nothing dried out, um, we got like last year where it stayed cold, you know, that that's different. But now it's funny how this beans before corn question has become the new quandary of where do you go first? Should I do it? Should I not? What, what's the right one? And, what are you? What are you more worried about frost on? You know, if we were to get a frost uh, on beans, beans, for sure, absolutely. it's yeah. going to kill them. Like, what would you rather have being cold in wet soils, beans or corn? Beans, beans. beans. Right. So, so the way I explain I, it is I, above, above ground cold, corn. Below ground cold, beans. beans yeah. Which one are we going to fight with? I, yeah, and you generally, you know, to me, I, right, the way I see it right now, I'd rather have my beans in the ground and let them sit there and be cold. And then when it gets dry again and warms up, then you can hammer your corn and you don't have to worry about it, right. like all that stuff. And, and from a crop insurance standpoint, we can't even plant beans right now anyway. That's no. the, yeah. That, well, what, what there's the, the real, there's real fly in the ointment right April there. April 26th is the beans. Is the bean day. That's like if you're going to do crop Which southern. is, you know, we're in the middle of April right now. That's actually quite a while from now if right. you think about it's that. about 12, 10 days. 10 days, yeah. That's it, the southern half, right? Of the no, state. no, that's the whole state. Beans, whole, beans is one whole, one whole. The, corn is what great. I struggle with that too is farmers say, "Well, you know, that's just an insurance day." So, yeah, but they did do some looking into why <laughs> right, that a, yeah. you know that wasn't just like ah. Now I would say back in the day too, you, we didn't plant beans this early in general. Like no. that wasn't a push. So maybe crop insurance should look at readjusting that or something. But whatever that year was, or that Father's Day frost happened mm-hmm. and killed a bunch of beans. But I still think normal yeah, planted a, beans would have gotten. That's a Father's Day frost. That's June. the second week of June. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's so late. You can't base it all off of that. No, right. Um, but you know, and last year we thought we were doing good. Like you know, May first, the soil was dry. Going off of two seasons that were so wet, we we thought, oh, we're ahead of the game. You know, we couldn't forecast that the soil was going to stay cold for three weeks. And then in some areas we were going to get rain a week after. It's uh, a couple times last spring. I heard it. I said, I heard it's dry now, but they're projecting rain next week. And I tried to explain that, okay, it's dry, but it's also projected to be 45, 50 right. degrees with two yeah. inches of rain projected. You are much better off waiting and hoping waiting. that it dries out yeah, again. A cold <laughs> rain is not what you it's want. It's definitely not the answer. That seed, if that seed is imbibing cold water, you're gonna you're you're off to a bad start. Ooh, I've got some, I've got that term coming up, Max. Oh, okay, I'm ahead of the game. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. All right, so, so what should we be taking into account here, Bill? What well, are, what are things to consider? Corn requires at least fifty degrees Fahrenheit to germ, so that's soil temp. So yeah, not air temp. Yeah. Right, right. So you want to get your thermometer out and check your soil temps, and obviously, depending on your soil type. You know, that can range even day to day. If it's sandier soil and the sun comes out, it can warm up faster. Same way, it can cool down faster in the sand. Um, planting below 50, if you're going to take the risk and plant below 50 degrees, um, you're going to increase that that seed is going to sit dormant in the soil and then diseases, insects, and our friendly uh, sandhill cranes have a longer <sighs> time to be able to take hold on. On that very expensive seed that you threw in the ground. They're an endangered species. They need to eat two, Bill. No, sandhill cranes aren't endangered. Whooping, no, whooping cranes, cranes are. Whooping. Yeah. And the average American can't tell the difference. 
which is why sandhill cranes are protected in Wisconsin. Mm. Get your little. There's your little fun yeah. fact for the day. Fact, the more you know. That's our non-egg history minute quick yeah, fact there. That's why you can't get your ribeye in the sky. That is correct. And then planting into cool conditions can delay emergence. Last year, we were counting like 18 to 21 days of delayed emergence. So, whew. I was looking at my notes the other day from last spring. There were some tight weeks there. It got, got to be long. I think the longest one I had was 24 days 24 from days. planting Ooh. to emergence. Yeah. <laughs> it actually it's it over t- three weeks. I mean, think of that as like the goal is you see the corn seed twice in a week. That whole thing, you know, right. planted and you planted see plant. and above ground, and yeah. that's three, you know, more than three weeks later. Later, yeah, a lot easier to get your uh, seed depths checked when you're yeah. worrying about emerging. Oh, well, we were able to check it three times. We had yeah. plenty of time. It, did it move any of the times? Huh? Did the seed depth move at all? No, no, <laughs> no. no. But it was. I mean, like I said, twenty-four days is a long. And you keep yeah. saying to yourself, next week it's going to be out of the ground. Next week when we come here, it's going to be out of right. the ground. And it wasn't like it was just seed sitting in there. What I had, most of them were germinated, and they were trying. They, they were, were doing their they best. Were, yeah, they were starting to grow. It wasn't spending energy. Yeah, that they might lose the battle to get out of the ground. Yeah, that was well, the tough part. And if you delay your planting into warmer soils, obviously the seed is going to germinate faster. And like you just said, Todd, I remembered that some old timers saying like, "You want to see your corn twice in one week, the day you put it in the planter, and then a week within that week you want to see it coming out of the ground." Right. So I think it's a good rule of thumb. Right. I don't disagree. It's kind of cool to do that. Yeah. I, if, if it would work like that every time, that'd be fantastic. Right. But that doesn't work that way. You wonder if when the old timers are planting, that corn could not withstand no. the stress right. well, of and it, today's and corn. At least either. around here, they were probably planting late May. Right. right. They were yeah. later in general. Right. So, so, yeah, I don't know how much that one sort of holds up. But it is still a good goal to have it emerge quickly and evenly um, and with no stress. Right. And if you're going to decide to plant earlier than you think maybe you should, if there is no rainfall in the forecast, if you have dry soils, you're going to have a better chance of success, right? If it it looks like rain, cold wet is not as good as just cold. (laughs) So if you do plant, into those coiled soils, you are going to increase your risk of imbibitional chill. And I actually had to go to Google and like press the how to say how to say it because I'm like imbibitional chill. Yep, so it's imbibe and then yep imbibitional chill. Yep. So that occurs when there's a drastic change in water temperature during imbibition, which is the uptake of water by the dry seed. So the basically the seed is drinking the water. That's imbibition and the critical time for this is like within 24 hours of planting so you plant if you get a rain within that 24 36 hour period and it's cold we could get this imbibitional chill syndrome it's a little different than cold injury where that's just simply the soil temperature changes not this cold cold rain so both of them reduce stand and kind of look the same imbibitional chill is one that we can prevent from happening because you can check the forecasts when you're planting right most time they're pretty close on the temps so you know if it's gonna drop quickly and rain and if that first drink you know if that first drink you're given the the seeds gotta be warmer than 50 right is is the goal and if it's not gonna be then then maybe you just don't plant that day or 
or those couple days that that could be a problem. Basically, the two look the same because it kind of corkscrews the mezzicato when it's trying to weave its way through the two, two and a half inches that you planted it at. Yeah, it's almost like lost corn. Like it didn't know which way it should go. So it just... I had I had one seed one year that it actually like went around. Like the mezzicato yeah, went around. I've seen that, yeah. I've had it go around like, multiple times too, which is a cra- crazy yeah, that, you know, it's just not it's, one around. It's it trying twice. to find the warmth. So it just keep, it's <laughs> like goes towards the surface. And it's like, just kidding, it's warmer down there. And then it just keeps going back and forth. <laughs> yes. It's like an airplane in a holding pattern. Like, I don't know which way to go, yeah. so I'm just going to keep circling. So, but no, that, that, those, like you said, Todd, that you can actually prevent. You can try to prevent, yeah. you know, you can look up the forecast and see is that, and it's not necessarily if it's just going to be cold after that could be okay. It's the cold rain part or that it's going to be that first drink that you give, it's got to be the right stuff, you know, the, the right temperature. I did find a cool chart if you're looking for um, temperatures that seeds germinate at. Uh, Nebraska had a cool chart. Um, and then, yeah, this says minimum soil temperatures for right. for germination. So. And they're saying field corn at 55, so they're I going a that. little more aggressive and on soybean at 59. But it was cool to see like spring wheat and barley and all those small grains was 10 degrees less than that. So obviously all of our wrecks on... Getting yeah, out and planting those earlier. Interesting that spring wheat is and barley both beat out rye in their chart. Mm-hmm. I've always considered rye the lowest germination temp, but yeah. Alfalfa, it says 45 degrees, which is also interesting because we should do alfalfa, alfalfa fairly early right. in the colder right. soils, and I would have assumed it could do a little less than 45. But again, like we said, all of theirs seem like they're about five degrees higher than what we're sort of used to seeing because... Sorghum, they've got rated at 65 degrees, and I've always kind of said at 60. 60. They're yeah. just, we're just braver than them, Todd. That's well, really I, all it I is. wonder if this is <laughs> from their research showed, like it actually germinates at this point, but we still plant it at fish sure. 50 because it, it just takes a Minimum little Minimum temp germinate. for crop germ. Yeah. I did have some alfalfa planted like the 4th of April into standing winter rye. No-tilled in, yep. and... There was a few poking through, so it was. Well, yeah, it was. It was amazing how that because our first, the first rain we had, um, this last batch was warmer, and yeah. how much it woke up hay fields, everything else, and now our last rain, the rain we got last night, was probably our coldest we've had. So, because it was, I don't even know if it was forty last night when it was raining, and obviously there's several ways you can check soil temperature. The old handy standby soil thermometer or whatever. But, you know, as time has gone on here, uh, different websites kind of show soil temperatures, and Jenna's got a nice one, um, greencastonline.com, and you can you can enter your location, and yep, it gives... I just put us in. It's like the GDU tracker, but for kinda, soil time. Yeah, and we're at 39 is the current 24 average is 41.5. Mine says different. Mine says forty-four. Well, I <laughs> I did. I started mine earlier before we were recording. So maybe oh no, now that you updated. say okay, over here current. Yep, it's you're right. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, the five I'm day average. The, yeah, is I'm almost looking at 50, the five day. But yeah, I got uh, I got current soil temp of thirty-nine with a five day average of forty-seven. Not ready. That's not, that's <laughs> at my house currently. 
and you're south of us. The deep south. <laughs> it's kind of neat. It has a five-year average and a 10-year average as well. Yep. And you, you can, can see, see we're actually warmer than the five-year average and about the same as the 10-year average. So. And what do we say for alfalfa was 45 degrees which I'm seeing some alfalfa germinate that was planted because the, it got that warm rain germinated yeah. and now it's just that's what, more sitting. There. I got some stuff that, you know, you can row it pretty well already. Yeah. Alfalfa. Sandier ground? Be, well, not super, but it was planted. So that really warm spell was like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, yep. Tuesday. It was planted Monday morning by 10 o'clock. So then it had all day Monday, all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday. Warmer. Of warm temperatures, plus the soil temp then was warmer, fifty-two. Yeah. Um, so it you know got up, got going right away. USGS has got a cool one too. Um, Weatherdata.usgs.gov. I didn't play with it enough to like hone it in. It had a Janesville kind of just default here. I didn't hone it in to get more towards us, but it kind of shows a chart of of you can set it what dates you want it to go with and do you want soil temperature at five centimeters, 10 centimeters, 20 centimeters. You can see all the different layers as well of, of what the soil temperature is at. So I thought that was, that was kind of cool too, but you can kind of see how it's changed in the last. Yeah. From the seventh to now, basically it went up as high as like in the fifth above 50. And then now in the last couple of days has dropped back down to, like just 40, 46. Yeah. So obviously there's several ways you can, you can figure out what your, to- your temperature is at. And I think that's very important. We need to be studying that and watching that before we get those planters out. Yep. Even though with seed treatments and all the other stuff, we do have more ability to handle stresses. Um, so the, the less stress you can give them is still better. That's why I asked Max those questions initially, and he answered them all correctly. So, all right. Well, there you go. Keep an eye on those soil temps as you're planning your plant for this year. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. Today we're looking at cover crop insurance discounts being considered. So if you could earn a $5 per acre discount on cover crop or four planting cover crops, would you add conservation practice to your operation? That's the case in Iowa where 1,700 farmers have enrolled more than 500,000 acres of cover crops since 2019. So they're hoping to do a similar program in the Wisconsin legislature, Bill Assembly Bill 795. I thought you were asking me something. <laughs> oh, sorry, Bill. Not that kind of bill. Um, more the... The one school, that sits on Capitol Hill. Schoolhouse Rock Bill. Yeah. Ooh. I'm just a bit. All right. <laughs> it was approved by the Assembly 98 to 0. So it only needed a final vote by the Senate before it can be sent to Governor Evers for consideration. But because of the pandemic, the Senate didn't... Uh, Convene its last session, so the bail failed to be approved. Oh, so hopefully, we'll see that go through again this year, and it'd be nice to see that as an incentive for growing cover crops. These rebates are a really neat way to do it. We were kind of knocking 
the carbon credits were only giving us say five bucks or whatever to do these kind of things but to me this way it's a lot less paperwork from what i i'm obviously the bill might be different but I'm sure your insurance adjuster will just ask if you had a cover crop or not, or they'll know from when they adjust. Almost kind of like farmland preservation credit. Yeah. You know, yep. We write the nutrient management plans for those townships that have farmland preservation, and they get their seven bucks an acre or whatever. Yeah, it is. five to ten bucks. Yeah. And with this, too, is this could be a good way to yeah get you a rebate, basically, to, to do that. So there, keep your eyes out in the future for the potential discount for growing your cover crop. Now we'll move into Ag History Minute. I love that banjo. All right, today we're going to talk a little bit about the National School Lunch Program. So the NSLP is a federally assisted meal program operating in more than 94,000 public and nonprofit private schools and residential child care institutions. It was established under the National School Lunch Act, signed by... President Harry Truman in 1946, and provides nutritionally balanced, low-cost, or free lunches to more than 30 million children each school day. Wisconsin schools will have the flexibility during the pandemic to serve free meals curbside and outside normal mealtimes or group settings through September 30th, which was announced by the U.S. Department of Agriculture March 9th. So... This year and last year have been a little bit different when it comes to the school lunch program. We've had virtual students who are still eligible to get lunches and those that are in person as well. Great. Thanks, Matt. And thank you to all the listeners. We appreciate you listening to us. And if you like what you're hearing and you'd like an independent crop consultant, please go to naicc.org, and there you can find a national independent crop consultant in your area. Or go to tilthag.com if you're in Wisconsin and you can find a crop consultant in Wisconsin. Also new to our website, tilthag.com slash podcasts. And that site, you can listen to the podcast. So it's real easy to go on your phone, computer, um, basically anything with a web browser. And there you can hit the play and and listen to the audio right right on without kind of having a podcast player without having to to mess with that. So please tell a friend about uh, tiltegg.com backslash podcast. That's big news, Todd. You need the sounder. You need the horn. <laughs> Breaking <Yeah>. news. <laughs> Breaking moves. No, no, we can't seal that. Oh, we could. Somebody else is already doing it. We could. <laughs> All right, we could seal it, but we won't. And right. Matt, where can they find us? You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. All right, let's get into some current events with Cool Beans. That's Corey. So, Cool Beans, Cool Beans, Cool Beans, Cool Beans, Cool Beans. Our Cool Beans this week: a Dutch cow toilet wins the gold medal, which is kind of ironic that it's basically a urinal and it got the gold. So. The cow toilet developed by Dutch company Hans Kamp Agrotech BV was awarded the only gold medal for innovations at Eurotier, which was held virtually. Eurotier is a big animal husbandry show held every two years in Germany. The Dutch are renowned for inventing wacky equipment for livestock, but the latest one has left farmers feeling a bit flushed. Nice. These nice. are some great, some very punny stuff here. Based in 
and I'm going to mispronounce this, Dochenkem. The innovative company Hans Kamp has developed a cow toilet that collects urine in an effort to reduce ammonia and also acts as a feed station. We got to get them to come to the toilet. I just, I'm so just hoping it's not the same. From, yeah, yeah it's the same <laughs> unit. Like, oh, that's that's what around. I thought when I read it at first. <laughs> right. and I was like, I'm going to keep reading here and see where this goes. <laughs> no, I hope not. <laughs> so uh, it's the same idea with like a milking robot where you give them a treat to get them to come to the, come to the robot. Uh, so designed to primarily to ease the ever-increasing regulations of the dairy industry, the cow toilet is an automatic urinal that cows use voluntarily. It's designed to collect urine before it hits the floor. Where about ninety percent of ammonia emissions come from agriculture, and this would be a way to limit that ammonia, especially the one that is formed when manure and urine mix. So interesting. I'm Apparently, there's like a in the. Uh, it goes on in the article to say there's a reflex in the cow's udder that when you stimulate it, she urinates, and that's kind of where the they sit that toilet, and sure, it, they must bump against it, and then it. Triggers their brain to go. <laughs> Thought that was pretty interesting. My dad always talked about that when he'd breed cows. He so he didn't have an issue when he was breeding. He'd do that, and then they'd go, and then he'd go ahead and breed sure. the cow after that. So it's a trick. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a trick they've used for years. So tickle the udder, yep. makes them tinkle. All right, good to know. Max is going to use that. Max <laughs> is speechless. Right. I got nothing. That's to say. good. If Max is not speechless, touching that one, Matt wins that one. Let's uh, let's move into that's corny for this week, and that is farmer losing rented ground to the solar industry. New kind of farm is competing for land in southwestern Illinois, and that is the solar farms. So, development picked up 160 acres of property the farm was renting to put in a solar farm. And there's a power plant 10 miles west of the farm and a new one 5 miles north. So they're looking for flat, open real estate to build these solar farms on. And that's causing competition with farms. And sadly, this is a tale as old as time. I know a couple of years ago at the farm show, I talked to a guy, same thing, a development moved in on usually prime cropping ground, not like crappy ground they they tend to take this 300 bushel is this guy was telling me ground that he rented and turned it into a new sewage plant or a dump or something mm. so in this case we've got solar farms going up on potentially good agricultural ground i'm sure oh. it's the solar industry that's cool you know more green energy but bummer that we're losing good farmland, farmland. Yeah. and i would say i've been here in this southern wisconsin yep this is a push yeah. even even areas in northern Wisconsin that there's spots that, I, I, yeah, I think it has to do with where transmission lines are and some of that. It's, it's unfortunate but, that, like, wind turbines, at least you can farm around them. Correct. Well, but these... We were talking about that the other day, though. When I look at some of the wind, ter- the wind farms and you start adding those acres up, they take a lot of acres out. I, you know, the guys yeah. who really have farms that are literally them, I mean, I see, no, like... You know, 25, 30, 40 acres. All those driveways. By the time the, you take the driveway but, and each... And the footprint, yeah. ...turnaround, I mean, there's a lot of... But I would take that max over this. I would take that too, but like the wind farms are not... that away. There's not no impact from the wind farms anymore. Like, because there's... No, no, correct. How many there's there are. impact, but yeah. Yeah. 
But I do, you're right, I do. I have been hearing rumblings of this more and more with uh, solar in Wisconsin, too. Which we don't even have sunlight half the year. Why do they want to come here? <laughs> <laughs> Go to Florida. Yeah. No, I, I know I read an article a few years ago they, about using the desert for for this because they, you know, obviously it's still animal habitat, but you get more sunlight, more days of the year. A little shade, and, too, for the animals. And you're not competing with any other industry, really, for that real estate. Right. The sand industry. But I, <laughs> yeah, I don't... Th- Sand mining is a little different, I think, than just driving around the desert. I feel like that's a part of Star Wars, somewhere along the line, like they have a sand industry in some of their characters. <laughs> there was a, there was a, for a while they were talking about using uh, solar roads, so building roads through the desert with solar panels. Yep. I don't know if that ever happened, but. Like you drive on them? Yeah, because then they could cover real estate with solar panels and it, nobody would care because it doesn't take up anything that wouldn't already be there. Yeah, I don't think you'd do it on like a major highway where there's so much traffic right. that the sunlight would hardly ever get to the panels. But yeah, hmm, yeah. Or why you know it makes you wonder why they couldn't do like a solar tower, right? Go higher up and yeah. I mean you would still because pro- sti- proximity to the sun I don't think matters whether it's no, but you'd a, shade out or you'd shade out kind of a area too I guess of cropland underneath it. Maybe yeah. that's just too much, but. I agree that we got to find a better way because I I know even part of the problem with these coming in is the vegetation around these solar panels. We're trying to figure out how to how manage. to sort of manage that yeah. too, yeah. and then a lot of I think they're a tw- ten to twenty year lifespan. So then it's what do you do with it after you know how do you reclaim it back to farmland or you know obviously maybe you re up your contract and they put Change new panels out or something i don't i where don't know do the, but where do the old panels go yeah i don't and in and the road maybe their lifetime is long enough for that but i'm sure the technology will change oh yeah you know in 20 years so it, it is an interesting part in farming of talking to your landlords because they're the ones that are probably going to be approached and and you know making sure that they know the pluses and minuses of keeping it in farmland Versus working with a solar panel company. All right. Let's wrap her all up with our egg idiom. So, Bill, what do you got for us? I got don't spill the beans. I didn't know there was a Don't Spill the Beans game. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I used okay. to love that game. <laughs> okay. yeah. Get at my grandma and grandpa's house. It lo- yeah, That's it looks old, like something you'd have at Grandma game, and Grandpa's yeah. house. Yeah. yeah, like an old Mattel game or something. I think they may have re-released it more recently. But I yeah, would say was... I had the re-release. I don't think this was like yeah. an OG. But yeah, but, but what is "Don't spill the beans"? Sure, really meaning build. is don't reveal a secret or a surprise, surprise of some information, and it's often done in in maliciousness. You know, you're malicious about spilling the beans because you're getting a new bike. Oh, yeah. oh no, you're not because. Mom found out that Santa was, you found out Santa was bringing you the bike. Uh, the origin is kind of interesting. It is uh, particularly from ancient Greece where people cast secret votes by putting white or black beans in a jar. And if someone knocked the pot over, you would know who uh, who won the election because of the color. Sure. So don't spill the beans. Don't spill the beans, Max. I would say it like, don't, well, I guess that doesn't. Makes I would say like don't tip over the don't tip over the grain cart. 
don't spill the beans. <laughs> yeah, it's harder to get them back off the ground once they're in the harvester. That origin's interesting. I thought it had more to do with with egg, with egg you right, know, just right. being like something back in the day where you're filling your planter with beans and you spilled them, and that meant something. Not that it was literally from ancient Greece. That's pretty cool. White or black beans, so yeah, just like going to Cadoba. Yeah, white or pinto. <laughs> it's black or pinto, but yeah. Yeah, black or pinto. What did I say? White, White. black or pinto. Sorry. Either way, keep the beans in the jar. Don't spill them. Spill the beans. All right. That'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. Matt. So this week we talked about cold soils and what temperatures you should watch for when looking to plant corn, beans, or really any crop. In our spotlight, we looked at the possibility of some crop insurance discounts for growing cover crops. Ag History Minute, we talked a little bit about the National School Lunch Program. Our cool beans was the cow toilet winning a gold medal over in Europe. And that's corny. More competition for farmers on their rented ground with the solar industry. So hopefully I didn't spill the beans on this episode. Thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.